Well, hello, hello, sweetie darlings. This is T. You're tuned in to Burning Tarot. On today's podcast, we're going to pull a card and explore it and give ourselves a little bit of guidance from that card to help us along the next week or so. I should let you know it's a beautiful day. It is sunny. It's going to be hot, but right now it's just gorgeous. We do have a little breeze. We've got some birds twittering about. I don't know where the squirrels are. Um, They don't seem to be romping and playing in the pine cones right now. But those birds are having fun. We've got robins and uh, little chickadees, little mountain chickadees, and nuthatches, and um, other little things that are far away on the tops of the trees. So I don't know what kind of bird they are, but they make cute sounds. It's got to be worth something. So in the company of the birds and the ponderosa pines and the beautiful sunshine, let us draw a card now. We're using the golden tarot, and that's Cat Black, K-A-T, Cat Black, her version of a golden tarot. In case you're looking for a, a wonderful new deck, there's a bunch of different goldens out there now. Some of them are not so great, or they're certainly very different from this one. So I wouldn't want to lead you astray. Here comes some wind. In a minute, we're going to take a pause, and when I do that, I'll put on our little wind sock, our little fuzzy thing to keep the wind out of the microphone. But for now, let's get this card rolling. What do you want to think about this week? We burning tarot handful of folks. (laughs) Oh, it's a good one. This is fun. We just drew card number zero in the major arcana. We just drew the fool. And here comes that wind sock I was telling you about. I'm going to take a picture of it this time. So our photo today of our special card in the woods will also include a picture of our fuzzy wind sock. The audio professionals call it a dead cat. Please do not be too offended. It's kind of funny. All right, putting the dead cat on here. Squishy, squishy noises. All right, what do you think? Can you hear me? Can you hear the wind? Can you hear the various equipment noises around us? We're on the edge of the forest right now. And, oh, there's even automobiles. Look at that. Nice folks waving. All right. So, we got to get a little further out in the forest to get our requisite quietude and such. But we were talking about the fool, you guys. We were pulling the fool out of Cat Black's Golden Tarot deck. So before I go wandering into our reading, I would like to, uh, I'd like to just point out that um, when we do these readings, I explore the card for that moment, in that moment, because that's what a reading is. It is a response to a very particular moment in time and a set of symbols or some scrying and some intuition that are related to that time. Whether we're using tarot or astrology or yarrow stalks or whatever. So you got to have the, the moment in time part for the art of tarot and the art of divination in general. And certainly like oracular channeling to be relevant, to be real, to be 
full of that interesting inspiration and intuition and, you know, that kind of scary woo-woo fun stuff. So uh, I've come to understand that some folks are listening to Burning Tarot partly to enjoy the nature walks, partly to um, have a little guidance or prediction about their week, but also because folks are learning tarot and learning more about astrology and such. I am deeply honored. I'm very glad to hear that. There are podcasts and YouTube thingies out there where your tarot reader will be focused on explaining to you what the card means. And they may or may not tell you why they've come to that particular conclusion. And I just want you to know that when we're doing this work on Burning Tarot, it's not that way. On Burning Tarot, we are simultaneously delving into the meanings of our cards and we are having a reading, like a real reading, where a reader is plopping into the moment and channeling and using intuition and all those good skills and talents and natural things that we possess um, in order to get us into, it's like a message is trying to come through to us and the cards and things like that. They're just convenient props that we use to help the message get there. They're, they aren't really the message itself. And so there's a difference between saying, well, I'm going to intellectually sit here and tell you the meaning of a word, which you can, or, or a card, you can figure that out for yourself. You can buy a book. And I've started writing one of those books. Um, <laughs> my former Burning Tarot photographer collaborator, who has passed away, Steve Fritz, um, he came to me within the first year of his death and told me to write the book of Burning Tarot. And I started the book. Maybe I'll get it done someday. But so that kind of a book would tell you, well, here's some meanings behind a card. Here's why I believe these meanings. You know, maybe I'm just, I'm just following what all the Golden Dawn people seem to think. Or... I've come up with my whole entire new oracular system of card reading. And I'm so cool, I think I'm right. You should listen to me. You should use my definitions. So, you know, I can write a book like that too. Um, and a lot of people who do that kind of work, you know, spend a lot of time in research, but also spend a lot of time in uh, woo-woo channeling you know, sitting there and soaking up the vibe. And maybe they're completely channeling the meaning that they're telling you to apply to each card. So uh, it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. But I just want it to be really clear that that's not what this podcast is. This isn't, hello, I'm going to teach you the ultimate meaning of these cards. It's more like, no, I'm going to read the card. So the reading process brings us into contact with whatever's true about this particular moment. It's like playing improv music, if you've ever done that. Um, you know, sure, it's nice if you know some chords, but it's not essential, especially if you're playing free jazz. And um, 
what's essential is that you're capable of really being in the moment. That you're really capable and willing to be there on stage with the other musicians and really listening to them. And that sounds easy, but it's hard. Because you're so raw, you're so exposed to the elements and the moment. You're so um, trusting. You have to be very trusting that something will come to you and that you can trust what comes to you. What comes to you is worth working with, listening to the other musicians, trusting your voice or your playing to do the right next thing. It's electrifying. I miss it. Um, And it's great fun. But a lot of musicians can't do it. You know, they, they just want something that has a predetermined structure. So I just wanted you guys to know that uh, the predetermined structure part is, is baked into what we're doing here when we take our walks with Burning Tarot and we explore a card. Um, but it's not the whole shebangle. You know, just... <laughs> it's like I'm just taking out a saxophone <laughs> and I'm playing and I'm riffing off the woods and I'm riffing off the gods and goddesses and spirits and I'm riffing off the moment and the emotional moment that I'm working from and I'm working with the vibes that I'm getting from you guys and the notes that you send me. I love that. Burningtarot at gmail.com. Please drop a note and say hi. Let me know how your life's going and if the podcast is working for you. Now we're going through a squeaky red gate. Hopefully less noise out here. Whoa, it's getting hot though. Oh. Oh. Hello. I'm going to give a little bow here to this fine ponderosa pine that has died since I was here last and its whole top has just flopped off two-thirds of it. It's probably a 40, 50-year-old tree, kind of like me. A little bow. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and talk about that card now that I have blithered on and on about how my opinion of these cards is is a reading as much as it is um, somebody trying to explain a meaning of something. Okay. So, hello, dead tree. It's not completely dead, by the way. Part of the tree remains upright. And while most of the branches don't look so great, two of them still have green needles on them. So let's think about our card, the fool. The fool is a little bit like this tree here. It's card number zero. And... That tells us it's, it's outside of normal reality. You're going to need zero if you want to do math. I keep thinking of um, They Might Be Giants has that band. That's wonderful Gen X type of band. They have some remarkable work for children that they made later in their career. And since I have kids, I got to listen to a lot of it. And they have a song about Zero, zero, zero means so much with numbers big and small and a number that means nothing at all. Something like that. It's fun. Um, 
So card zero, the fool in the tarot, it's different. The fool's weird, you guys. The fool is weird. If you think of it in the lineage of a jester, right? Court jester. So this is the weird guy. Sometimes, you know, it's usually depicted as a guy. And uh, often in some pop culture, you know, literature, movies, it'll be a dwarf or someone who's physically different from most people in the, in the court with the king. And also, unlike all the regular people in that room, the court jester, the fool, gets to tell the king off, gets to poke at the king, gets to question the king's ego, gets to, you know, acknowledge the puffery, (laughs) you know, the puffery of the king dude, and make everybody else laugh at the king. And the only way that the king can interact well with the fool is to laugh at himself. Otherwise, he can just, you know, behead the fool, which might be amusing, but not for very long. So the fool may be someone that, that knows authority very well and has the sense to cut it down. In terms of this dead tree here, part dead, part alive, some speculate that the fool card is between birth and death. It's mostly associated in contemporary tarot as, um, as having to do with youth and newness. So if you look at your Smith Rider weight deck, You'll see this, you know, handsome young man, you know, off for a walk, carrying a magical staff or large wand over his shoulder, you know, got a bandana carrying his stuff or a fancy embroidered purse full of things hanging off of that wand, a dog at his heels. And so there's this idea of youth and new beginnings, but some people Uh, students of Tarot and teachers of Tarot, creators of decks, creators of books, they have placed the zero card, the fool, um, between card 20, judgment, and card 21, the world. This is a rare occasion on which I agree with Aleister Crowley, or Crowley if you prefer, in that that's totally weird and doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but hey, a lot of people did it, including uh, Waite himself. Um, and then others uh, think of the fool as being in, at the end of life and at the end of the major arcana. So after the final card of the major arcana, which is number 21 of the number, the properly numbered ones, So you achieve the world, and then what? Well, boom, you go back to zero. So in that way, instead of looking at the numbers as a line, card number one, the magician, which we drew last week, going up to card number 21, the world, which I believe we have drawn this year, certainly last year. Um, If you place those numbers in a circle, like on a clock, old-fashioned clock face, 
then you can see how easy it would be to just, you know, start over at zero, like make zero be noon, you know, and then one o'clock and around the circle you go. So there's not really any rule or um, definitive answer to how we want to place a zero or where we want to put the fool. Everybody's got an opinion. Mine is, mine is, I don't know. (laughs) I usually kind of read the fool as a beginning, youthful, zero before one kind of position. But some of the older decks, they depict the fool as like a creaky, weird old man with like some strange creature biting its leg, biting his leg. And he's kind of creeping off of the card. So, you know, that's another way that a fool gets looked at. Not just a beautiful youth starting a new adventure, but somebody who's really off the frickin' map, you know? Somebody who is doing their own thing their own way. And goodbye, tree. I'm going to wander now. Uh, and so they're kind of, they to others, to the members of the court... You know, maybe just the villagers. This guy looks like a crusty old weirdo. Like, why is he traveling with this strange animal that's biting him? Like, you wouldn't go talk to this guy, probably. Yeah, maybe he's drunk. He's wandering around. Where does he belong? Nobody knows. So that's interesting. The fool is being outside of normal reality. The fool is reaching towards your own death, perhaps, getting old, getting weird, not giving a shit. And like this tree, shedding parts of yourself and watching them die. Letting your own spirit animal chew on you. Because that's what we do. Ooh, just as I said that, I came across a sight of some violence. What we see here are lots of beautiful blue and black feathers. And with their permission, I'm going to... Yeah, okay, I'm going to take one and put it in my hat. Along with all my other feathers and bits of the forest that live in my hat. These are not large feathers. These, are, these look like Stellar's Jays to me. So somebody pounced on this Stellar's Jay. And I don't know whether it got away or got eaten. But it certainly lost a lot of feathers in the process. Give that a little bow. So when we look at the Fool card from this point of view of a bird, you know, ravaged by a predator in the forest, a tree losing the top two-thirds of itself and still defiantly producing green needles on the remaining part of its phallic structure. An old man, you know, crawling off the corner of a card, being weird. A young man, tilting his face up to the sun and completely ignoring the fact, on the traditional card, uh, Smith Rider Waite style, ignoring the fact that he's about to walk off the edge of a cliff. And his little white dog is going bark, bark, presumably giving warning. Like, hey dude, don't step off that cliff. 
you're going to die. Maybe the fool doesn't care that he's going to die. And maybe he's not going to die. Maybe this is this is a moment where there's a beautiful passage in one of the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis in which uh, the great lion Aslan, who's their like god, king character, Aslan breathes. And there's a very sensory, lovely description of the children in the book riding, floating on Aslan's breath. And they're in some kind of air and they're moving between worlds. But they're not dying in that particular fantasy world. They don't die as a result of what would result in death here. Step off the cliff, die. So it's possible that um, the little dog just wants a treat and that the fool and the dog are actually going to ride on Aslan's breath or the equivalent thereof, the psychic or spiritual equivalent of stepping off the cliff, and it's fine. In practical terms, when we pull the fool, you know, should we be thinking about Aslan's breath? Or should it be more like last week's reading where we were were looking at um, the Nine of Cups and one of the pixie painting cards? And the magician, and we had some conversation in last week's podcast about um, the need for caution, the need for like a motherly hand on our own shoulder when we're impulsive and we're rushing to do something. The fool card has that warning contained in it as well. If we decide to read it as, you know, this character's companion animal or daemon, demon, diamond, however you want to pronounce it. That creature is warning the fool, or in some cases, just having a weird interaction, <laughs> like, the, like the card with the older, crusty-looking fool. You know, is that a warning, or is that just like a mean spirit animal? I don't know. So we have a lot of leeway here in terms of how we want to read it. The number zero tells us we are outside of everyday reality. The number zero is round or roundish, more ovoid in shape, perhaps, or elliptical in shape. And that's the shape of an egg. That's the shape of the universe being complete unto itself. Look at the wreaths in the world card. They're going to be in that shape too. Or the, you know, like the, uh, the shape containing the world dancing woman in the world card. So the fool's playing with some uh, non-normal stuff. And that's a lot of, that can be a lot of fun. It can be scary. If we're ready to take a big risk, this card could be an indication that, yep, we really are ready. We are smart enough to listen to the small yapping dog at our heels. And we're, we're ready to jump off a cliff. In fact, it can be glorious to do so. And how else are you going to float around on Aslan's breath, huh? 
not by just standing on a cliff. So this might be a good week to take a risk. But I would say, once again, echoing last week's reading, let's make it a calculated risk. Uh, Endings and beginnings go together. They're kind of the same thing. And that's what this Fool card does, and that's why it gets these various interesting placements in the deck. That's why it gets its number zero. And I don't necessarily mean that in any kind of rich mathematical vein. Certainly not in a Kabbalistic vein. You know, and a lot of the materials that that we've inherited about the tarot are, are just way too focused on that, in my opinion. Um taking the traditions of the Jews and Jewish mystics. And I'm Jew-adjacent, Jewish-adjacent, you know, uh, married into a Jewish family, but I'm not Jewish. So part of me is also a little hesitant to say, oh, I'm going to take this thousands and thousands of years old tradition and um, just say, oh, you know, I'm going to mishmash that with like Christianity and witchcraft and that'll be my religion. (laughs) I am syncretic by nature, and I'm not into cancel culture, but it still gives me pause, like just how much everything is hung on the tree of life from the Kabbalah. And I also had a strange uh, experience with Kabbalistic learning, performing, etc. when I was young, in my early 20s. So... You know, I read some of the kind of typical tarot stuff that's going on out there. And I go, okay, every single one of you is basing this on the idea that the Egyptians did something that they may or may not have ever done. And then using the Jews to um, build a mathematical numerological structure around it and a structure of meaning. So I read it and I'm sure I soak some of it in. But I hesitate to make that the real basis for for all my tarot work. Because I don't feel like it's really mine. So, you can go read a whole bunch of that kind of stuff about what the number zero may or may not mean. I'm not going to throw all that stuff in here. But zero, zero, zero means so much. We need zero for math to work. (laughs) I don't do a heck of a lot of math, but enough to know that our contemporary mathematics rely on there being this mystery number that is and isn't anything. You know, it's positive one added to negative one. You need it to have something, and so it's zero. (laughs) How does that work in our own lives? What happens when we, we reach a point where... We're going to step into completely unknown territory, especially in terms of self-definition, in terms of what we think we know, the story that we want to tell ourselves about what we're doing now, what we're going to do next. That's kind of zero-ish territory. We need some kind of symbol to represent the void, the blankness, the everythingness and nothingness at the same time. We need to acknowledge the primacy, the beauty of an ovoid egg, a fertilized egg. 
that's going to turn into an entirely new creature. And yet we have to acknowledge we're not really so sure what that creature is. And we don't know. Like, <clears throat> we don't know if we're the new baby, we're the adventurous youth, and or we're a crusty old dude creeping around with strange animals. We may not know, you know, where we are in that cycle. And part of that might be because those things overlap. And uh, New Year's is always a good time to look at that, whether you practice a Chinese New Year or a um, astrological Roman pagan type New Year in March or the secular Julian calendar New Year that we have for um, December 31st, January 1st. That's another one of these kind of zero moments because old man time, you know, in the, in the cartoons and stuff, can be depicted as like a Saturn guy. The god Saturn is also like the god of time. So you'll see like a picture of an old man with a white beard and he's crutching along and he's barely whatevering. And so we're out with the old year in with the new year. New year's a little baby, a little baby in a top hat that looks like something out of a Monopoly game, you know? Um, so the fool brings all of that up. Time is crawling by and we may be at a point in our lives where we or the stuff and, and frankly people around us are hitting the crusty, crazy old man phase. And that's necessary. That's, that's really necessary for the new youthful risk-taking self to come through. If you've been worried about career things or dissatisfied about how you're spending your time, which for a lot of us, uh, that is work. Whether that's working in the home, going to a workplace, but kind of the daily grind of your life. If you've been really questioning whether you're doing the right thing or just, you know, frankly, getting a bug up your butt, <laughs> you know, which happens to me, you know, feeling dissatisfied thinking, huh, there's got to be a better way to do this. The Fool card might really be bringing all this up for you. And it, uh, it might be really asking you to look at, well, what part of you is a totally out there, crusty, seemingly irrelevant, just going on repeat, old thing? Is there some value in that? Is part of that kind of like the hermit card? Is that a part of you that does not give a shit what other people think? And you're having your own interaction with your soul. And that's what your, you know, diamond, demon, daemon, uh, spirit animal, your familiar, that's what you're doing with, with that, is having this interaction that's, that's about you and your spirituality and you're just getting through your everyday life. And you don't care if everybody thinks you're irrelevant. You don't care if uh, you're living in a cardboard box with a cat attached to your calf and a jug of whiskey in one hand who cares you know, so you might have some part of you that resonates with that for you in this moment it might be like I'm actually sick of that I don't want to live like this anymore I want to move on 
Or you might think, actually, my inner crusty old fool court jester really hasn't gotten enough playtime in my life. I've been so busy keeping everything upright and straight and paying my bills and stuff uh, or, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses or the new iPhone or whatever that I haven't let that guy, that part of my fool self, um, I haven't let him have enough rain, enough free rain to roam around in my life. So I'd say look for him and then look for the youthful fool as well. You might, like listening to this, you might have immediately known, like, oh, that youthful project, jumping off the cliff, floating on Aslan's breath, you know, and or tumbling to the ground, who knows? Uh, You might have known what that was instantly. I would say pay attention to that. If some idea flashed in your mind, like, oh, that's my new um, side gig that I've been thinking of starting which, if it ever became successful enough, would enable me to quit my boring day job. Okay, maybe it's time to start, even if it's not perfect. But maybe don't quit the day job. Maybe this, maybe jumping into, into the chasm or the abyss or wherever it is you're going, maybe you can do it in a gentle way, where you're really letting the little yapping dog at your heels let your dog know, like, hey, we're going to do this uh, smarter than it looks. <laughs> I'm not just being an idiot. We're going <laughs> we're going to do this in a measured fashion. We can do it. We can do it. Um for some of you though, the solution is simply to jump, especially if it's on spiritual matters right now. So I would say spiritual, psychological and emotional. It may just be like take the freaking leap. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can get hurt. We all get hurt. That's what love is. That's what brings psychological and emotional breadth, depth, advancement, progress, motion. Um, I'm going to look at the fool card that we particularly drew today. So it's the cat black, cat pa pa pa, ba ba ba, cat black, golden tarot fool. So this fool looks feminine. This fool is beating a drum, which is very interesting because they're not just doing their own thing and being out there for themselves. They're performing and or hammering out a warning to other people or hammering out a pattern that communicates with others or gets other people to gather around. So this fool has a little bit of a different role. They are not just off doing their own thing. They're in an act of communication and music. And they do have a dog at their feet. I'm sure we'll all recognize the dogs from those. Um, it looks like the same dogs in those very famous tapestries with the, uh, is it with the unicorns? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, so Cat Black's Golden Tarot is composed of medieval and Renaissance paintings um, digitally collaged together quite beautifully. So this fool is at the edge of a precipice and isn't looking down at, at their feet, her feet, I think. She's wearing a white dress, but she has an intensity to the look on her face that suggests, um, she's getting a message from the stars. 
and she's maybe repeating it out over that drum. And she may indeed fall off a cliff because she's far more engaged in receiving messages from above than she is in watching where she's going. But this fool has a sense of connection to her. So for all, all of our needs this week, I would say let's, let's keep that in mind. Where is our wackadoodle individualism? Where is our, the part of us that, that snubs authority? The part of us that is an other, that is othered by everybody else. Where are the advantages to that? And where can we use that as a powerful means of communication? And again, look down at the dog. Look down at your feet. If you're going to jump into Aslan's arms and breath, like do it on purpose. <laughs> Don't just do it because you're being a jackass. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I was projecting there. Um, yes, I have been known to engage in jackassery. So we are the fool. We are either before death or of death or stepping into death or beyond death. We don't know. We may be in some realm where concepts like life and death simply don't even really work. Spiritually, we are ready to, we're ready to be uncertain yet playful. Uncertainty comes with the fool. If you can't handle uncertainty, you don't belong with the fool. You can't get the most out of the fool. Um, it's a good time for creativity for those of us who, you know, do playful creativity particularly. But like if you, um, you do ceramics, you sing, you, um, you've been wanting to, you know, paint your kitchen and hang different art in there. You know, those are all things that, that would go pretty well with this energy. Sometimes our foolish selves in everyday life, if we become too aware of them, like people who choose to be the class clown or describe themselves as fools, um, sometimes the fool self is our excuse for treating others poorly. So we say, well, I'm, I'm an eccentric artist and therefore I'm going to do this thing over here that's going to hurt some people's feelings. I'm a special performer, you know, rock and roll star, whatever. So I'm going to do this over here. So there's that, that specialness that the fool gets, you know, be careful. You're, you're supposed to use it to, um, to help the king by making him look foolish like you. <laughs> Stabbing him here and there. Your role isn't to be like the mean um, comedian who makes everybody in the audience feel shitty. I mean, I guess, you know, if that's your thing, that's okay, right? I just don't want to hear you. Don't get on my stage. Um, that, that idea that that brand of foolery puts you above everybody else is, uh, you know, that's whatever. It's, that's like really 1974 and you're on a bunch of cocaine. Nobody wants to be around that shit, you know? So be careful that the, the otherness of the self-conscious fool um, doesn't become this kind of excuse or gateway to thinking that uh, you're above everybody else or you just stop bothering to connect with them. You've got your own little dog, you're, you've got you know your own drum beat that you're uh, walking and dancing to and 
I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's okay. But please don't do it to me. I've got enough of that in my life. <laughs> so for those of you who are performers and prima donnas, and sometimes that's me, okay, uh, you, could, you could take this card as a little bit of a warning. Um, look to your own narcissism and be your own fool. Call yourself out for your ego bullshit. Look at what you're posting on Facebook. Look at how you're texting with your loved ones. Look at who you're available to and when and why and how you present yourself in the context of that. Like if you're just so cool and therefore can't be bothered or you're expecting other people to be terribly, terribly grateful that you took time out of your tour schedule to visit with them. Look for that kind of stuff, because that can sometimes come with the fool too. We have our internal fools, all of us, that help, you know, help bring us down a peg or two, because, you know, our egos get out of control. And that's especially true of anybody who's prone to narcissism, or anybody, and most people have some way in which we're looking for all this outside approval, Um, I certainly, you know, I do all that. I used to be an actor and I've performed on many stages as a performance artist, as a musician. I love all that stuff, but I see the danger in it. Um, so whether yours takes place on stage or has some other, um, performative type of venue, let the fool and the little yapping dog at your heels, let those, um, let those help you puncture your own ego. Use your analytical mind, which I think this cat black fool is doing more than most of the fools we would see in a t- typical deck. You know, you definitely want to be grabbing those vibes and that intuition and that wonderful inspiration and, and channeling messages from above, from the gods. But then, you know, just don't get too full of yourself about it. And remember to look at the ground. And the ground beneath your feet, you know, the solid realities that can include everyday relationships and uh, dealing with things like money. So you got to kind of introduce a reality, (laughs) reality based item to all this. Do it with humor. Why not? Don't wait for somebody else to puncture you. You can puncture yourself a little bit. (laughs) I'm very curious to see how your fool weeks turn out, you guys. So please, 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 Drop me some email, burningtarot at gmail.com, and just let me know. And as I've explained in previous podcasts, I'm not just saying that. I actually really like reading the emails. Um, And I I try to respond, but I don't always get to respond to everybody. If you could keep your emails to about a paragraph, that would be nice. Maybe two paragraphs if you need them. Um, And that's how I find out about how these are resonating with you guys and and what's going on with your lives. You can also include feedback. Like you might say, oh, I want you to do more astrology or could we have a podcast about this or that? I'm definitely listening. I do listen to the questions and I will get around to them. Hope you've enjoyed The Fool. I'm T. You can find me at tiffanyleebrown.com. tiffanyleebrown.com. Bye.